0: Let's talk about peace. Love, joy, peace. Now if you really want a good laugh, come next week when I talk about patience. (laughs) I'm sure none of my family will be coming to church. And, uh, because it'd be total hypocrisy on my part to even preach about patience, but I'm getting better at it, but that still, I, some say I'm in denial still. But anyway, we're going to talk about patience next week. So that ought to, we ought to have some fun with that one today. We continue in the series then on the fruit of the spirit. And the text is based in Galatians 522, but the Holy spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And those come exclusively from the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, who comes into our life when we invite Jesus Christ into our life to be our leader, our Lord, our Savior, our forgiver. And with that, he gives us his spirit because he can't be with us in person. And that was what happened at Pentecost that great day. As he promised he would do, he sent his spirit. So the Holy Spirit we're talking about is literally the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's not in flesh, but he's certainly in our hearts and lives and our minds, and we celebrate that. An interesting thing I saw this week and learned about these fruits of the Spirit, there's nine of them, and uh, someone, some theologians have, have divided into three categories, and I think they're right. Three categories here. Uh, the, first three, the first category is love, joy, and peace. And so these three, love, joy, and peace, are the inner attitudes we have that are anchored in God. We want to be people who will love. We want to be people who have joy. We want to be people of peace. But those are the inner attitudes. Those are our job. Those are our work that we ask the Spirit to do inside of us. The second group is the next three, patience, kindness, goodness. Now, these are relational attitudes. Qualities that we express to others. So, in other words, I want to be patient with others. I want to be kind to others. I want to practice goodness to others. I want to bring good things to people in my life. And then the third category, the last three words of the nine faithfulness, gentleness, self control, these are personal qualities that will guide our individual conduct. We're going to be faithful. We're going to be gentle. We're going to pray and have self control. So I think it's a great way to to put these together. So today we're zeroing in specifically on peace. Historians uh, historically have said that uh, since the 16th century, there have been 800 peace treaties signed. Presumably with the intent that the resulting peace would last forever, yet most of them, according to historians, lasted a little more than two years. Instead, conflict and chaos are everywhere, and wherever calamity doesn't reign, it remains nearby, kind of around the very next corner. Today, we are a country that's divided. Our churches, and the saddest part about this is how Christians are divided, how the church is divided these days, and that to me is one of the great great sadnesses of what, for me, great sadness, what's going on now, not just in the culture, which we can expect them to not be Christ-like, but churches and Christians. Gloria Gaither writes a wonderful blog. It's called Love Song to My Life. I'd encourage you to, to log in or sign up. It's a great, great, uh, Gloria's just a phenomenal writer, one of the best. And this week she wrote a blog about the books. They, they do, both Bill and Gloria love books. They're they're avid readers, and that's inspiring many of us who have the privilege of knowing them, of reading more. But she was talking about her love for books, and she said this at the very end. And when it comes to the book of all books, may we never get so focused on arguing about the words that we miss the word that came to walk among us and lead us into all truth. That's gold. May we never get so focused on arguing about the words, that we miss the word that came to walk among us and lead us into truth. What a good word. One of the strongest desires of every human, I believe, is peace. Some don't know what it is, and those that aren't striving for it have just never experienced, probably, and there's a lot of that, more than we would think. The word peace is mentioned 429 times in the Bible. One of the strongest desires in the culture these days clearly is for peace. The culture today wants peace more than anything, but they don't know where to find it. That's part of our problem. And we tend to look for it in many destructive and damaging ways, humans have found many different ways to find what they see as peace, but most human efforts to grasp peace can be dangerous, even deadly. Just look today at the high, high rate of substance abuse the, the only peace some are finding is when they are high or drunk or asleep. And how many more young people are going to have to take a pill laced with fentanyl and die? They were looking for an escape. They weren't looking to die. And the tragedy we're seeing happen in families, the heartbreak for parents. Because we're looking for peace. I just want some peace. And people are craving it. And they don't know where to find it. When it comes to the fruit of the Spirit, Jesus has said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Ask yourself, if you were to ask someone close to you, if they saw you as a peacemaker, what would their answer be? Are you a peacemaker? Blessed are the peacemakers, those who bring peace, those who produce peace for they'll be called children of God. So let's talk about peace. What, when Jesus was living among us on earth, he placed a very high priority on our desire to have peace and he had a very high priority of giving it to us. He had suffered a tremendous amount on a cross to give us peace. So what is it? Well, a couple of definitions. From the dictionary, here's what it says. Uh, just the Webster's Dictionary, I think it is, a state of tranquility or quiet, a state of security or order, free from oppressive thoughts, harmony in personal relations, a state of mutual accord between governments. That would be the dictionary version of peace, and that's a good, true definition of what most people in a culture would call as peace, a, st- a state of tranquility or quiet, a state of security or order free from oppressive thoughts, harmony in personal relations, a state of mutual accord between governments. That's correct. But the biblical definition ramps this up in a big way. Here's the biblical definition. Here's what peace means when it appears in the scriptures. And this is interesting when I found this definition, this is the first phrase that came up. Peace biblically, according to the Bible, peace is a state of wholeness, a state of wholeness. It's not just an event, it's not something we get or lose. It's a state of wholeness, of well-being and security, embracing both the physical and spiritual dimensions and relating not only to the individual but also to, the, to entire communities and relationships among all people, a state of wholeness. The biblical peace of God is not simply the absence of turmoil or conflict, as nice as an end to calamity or conflict might be. The peace of God is actually about fullness and wholeness found in Jesus Christ. So then we can be those blessed peacemakers and we can experience his peace. His peace is not temporary. It's permanent, ongoing, and it brings us wholeness, a state of wholeness, not just peace around us. He brings peace inside of us. The peace that he gives is selfless, self-giving, self-losing, self-forgetting, self-sacrificing, love of God that allows you to stop being concerned about what others think about you. I want to read that again because we spend a lot of time, and maybe I'm giving too much away, but we spend quite a bit of time worrying about what other people think of us. and It's, it's just pointless. Can I just say that? It doesn't matter what someone else thinks of you. Now, if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing and they're thinking correctly about you, then you're going to have to just take it or you're going to have to change your ways so they won't think of you correctly until you change something, all right? That's another sermon. Sounds complicated and we'll save it for a while. So peace is the selfless, self-giving, self-losing, self-forgetting, self-sacrificing love of God that allows you to stop being concerned about what others think about you. It is the quiet potent, gracious attitude of serenity and goodwill that comes to meet the onslaught of others with good cheer and strong hope. In Numbers chapter six, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, tell Aaron and his sons to bless the people of Israel. You've heard this prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace so that's what it is now where do we find it it's rather simple honestly it isn't hard to find we find peace on our own and that'll always be temporary but boy do we try to find it and we think something is going to give us peace and if it's anything we can acquire on our own without God's help it's not going to give you peace if I, if I can just get this new thing, or if I can just wear that, or if I can just live here, or if I can just work there, if I could just have that promote, you know, we, that, we're only at peace when something's going right and when we feel good. And that's okay. That's, that's some definition of peace. That's human nature. There's nothing wrong with sometimes wishing for something more, particularly if it's something you believe would help you uh, as a Christian, help you as a person, help you as an employee, or help you as an employer. But we are, when we are looking for things outside of us to bring us peace, it will be temporary at best. I find peace, I've said this before, I find peace on a beach. I really love being at the beach. Just roll me in, I'd I, I love to be there, I can sit there all day, sometimes just staring at the ocean. It's kind of creepy, but that, I like that. Kim loves the mountains, as you know, and so we go to the mountains a lot. Um, <laughs> Uh, and if I want her to know I said that, I will tell her, <laughs> between services just zip it, alright. But so yeah, we can, we can be in the mountains and it is very peaceful there, I, I got to tell you, it's just incredible peace, the mountains and the water and those things that we enjoy in the mountains. And so it is with the beach. But you know what, in our case, we have to leave the beach. <laughs> We have to leave the mountains. It's about a 10-hour drive to get to either of those peaceful places. And really, by driving it, you don't have much peace left when you get there. You you get peace while you're there, and then you lose all of it coming back home. (laughs) So it's temporary at best. But it is a place that is peaceful while we're there and enjoyable. It's a place we can find a little bit of peace for a little bit of time but we're not talking about that kind of peace. The peace that we all can have is a second away, just with an ask of the peacemaker who gives us peace. His name is Jesus. We find it in the Bible. We find peace in his words. We find peace in prayer. We find peace in meditation. Sit still and be quiet for a while. Think, pray, write. Peace is not hard to find, it's available. It's interesting, in today's world, we are surrounded by a great deal of turmoil, as you know, in the United States and, and around the world. And every time we have great difficulties as a country, there are those that are certain it's the sign of the end times. People are always saying, oh, gee, we get real curious. Um, lines get long to hear about the, the explanations of the end times, not, we ought to be studying the end times. No, I'm not saying that. We ought to have some clarity about what the Bible does say about when the end comes. But there have been many times in my life as a preacher's kid when there have been people predicting that it's getting close. Now, if you're saying it's getting close, you mean it could be a couple thousand years closer than it was, there's some point to be made there. But we always try to predict, well this must be, he's coming back soon. I certainly hope Jesus comes back soon. And I I hope he does too. But it could be a while. And Jesus, frankly, he said no one knows when the Son of Man is going to come back. He doesn't know. Only God knows. Predict all you want. It's good. It's fun. It's unique. It's knowledgeable to learn some of those things, those uniqueness things that take place in a culture and how that will ultimately, it all points to the fact that he will return someday and take us to be with him. But so often we think it's never been this bad before, and that's not true. You got to go back to the times when my parents or even in my grandparents' days, think about when the country went through the Great Depression, one of the most difficult times for for everybody in in this country. Think about Pearl Harbor, 180 U.S. aircraft destroyed, 2,400 plus Americans killed. Think about planes flying into the World Trade Center, killing nearly 2,800 people. Hardly a week goes by anymore that somebody's getting shot by someone who's just angry. So, this isn't really a peaceful moment, you can say, in this country. But that doesn't mean we can't be at peace and have peace and live in peace. I, I, I love the gospel song. I think Bungler wrote it. That things are going to get better either way for us. For the believer, things are gonna get better either way. Now, it may not get better in my lifetime or yours, but it's going to get better either way. And it's worth waiting for. Jesus said in Matthew uh, 24, 36, no one knows the day or the hour, but we can trust him. We can wait patiently for him. I believe he will do. he said he will do we also have to remember that jesus was born why would god send his only son into the world in one of the more difficult political moments in history rome was the only world power that mattered in those days they became power with what is called a shock and all strategy of warfare where they literally used scorch and burn techniques these are the romans burning everything in their path killing anyone who stood in their way one Roman general, a general was famous for carrying out 500 crucifixions a day. Can't imagine that, but that's what the history tells us. Another Roman general came into a small town, enslaved 30,000 people. Those were not peaceful times by any means. If I were God, I might have said, God, this, would, you think this is a good time to let this happen? Why don't we wait till things are a little more peaceful down there? And, and maybe, maybe God might have said, it's not going to get much better than this. This is just humans being humans. But it was now, it was time, and now's the time. No matter what's going on on earth, now's the time when Jesus would come. Luke says Jesus was born in the days of Caesar Augustus. It's not about it being a date. It reminds us of how the world worked in those days. And it was a brutal, ugly moment in history. Nothing about the birth of Jesus Christ was very peaceful by the world's standards. But we know there was something very different, a different kind of peace in that stable where they were when, when God himself entered the world. I've told you this before, it's been quite a while, uh, but uh, the, of course, when I say it's been quite a while, it could have been last Sunday, but uh, it's been for me quite a while. So my dad and my California family, as I call them, attended St. Andrew's Presbyterian Church in Newport Beach. Beautiful church, great leadership there. And so when dad passed away, his funeral was there at St. Andrew's Presbyterian. And so when we got to the church, and we'd been there several times already, but when we this particular visit to the church for the funeral, the church had these massive banners hanging off the side of the building. And you could see them. It was, uh, the, the church is nestled in this beautiful little community right off Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, just beautiful area. And a lot of people out walking, and, and there's, uh, you can walk to some of the little stores and shops and things and, and beautiful, more smaller cottage-type homes, but it's a beautiful area. So the, the church is, is, very, is very large, and they had these banners hanging off the building that said, Love, Joy, Peace, And and it would be one banner for love and a big banner for joy and a big banner for peace kind of across the side of this church, up about 20 feet, 20, 30 feet, probably. And you could read those signs from a block away. Pastor told me a story. I I was mentioning the banners and and how that was so, I thought it was very uh, great, a special idea. And he said this, well, on a particular morning, a neighbor lady walking, just out walking decided to stop at the church. The receptionist is easy to find. The door's right there. You can see where the reception desk is. So she walks into the church, up to the reception desk, and she says, I see your advertising piece. I don't have any, and I want it. Is there anybody here who can help me find it? <laughs> and somebody did, and she found it. Peace, it's not dependent on the kind of peace that we might have in this world between people, between countries, between political parties. We're talking about another kind of peace that supersedes that and allows us to have peace in all circumstances, to be at peace. So what is it? Where do we find it? And then the third question we'll ask and the final one is, what steals it? Did this last week on the word joy. What steals our peace? That's a similar list. Last week, same stuff. Maybe some other, other additional words now. Stealing our peace. What's going to steal it? Well, I'll tell you one thing that'll steal it is when you try to control something or you try to control someone. That's a quick way to not have any peace. Quick, quick way. Financial stress. Buy th- you know, you've heard me say this a million times. Buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. That's why Dave Ramsey calls it financial peace, because when there's financial problems, there's nothing peaceful about that. It's terrible. Most of us have been there. You know, I had to learn in my 20s that the uh, credit card, my first one, it was incredible. I just, I used that baby too. And then you get the bill. And then you look at the interest rate. And then you realize I can't pay that all at one time. So you start making payments. I did that for a while, learned, thank God I learned early. And that wasn't gonna go, that, there was no peace in that. But sometimes when we're, we're just financial stress is probably one of the biggest pressures we often face because of the uncertainty we all clearly that people face in the job market and in this world we live in. Attitudes, the attitude that says, I'm better, I'm better than someone else, you get arrogance will really steal peace. I wish I was like someone else. That's a great thief of peace. Or when we are angry, I can't stand so-and-so. That's a, that's a peace killer. We, and the list just goes on. We have habits. Habits, hurts, and hang-ups are the phrase that we use over in Celebrate Recovery. Habits, we have hang-ups, we have hurts. Those things steal our peace. We have uncontrolled desires. We have, we have relational stress and turmoil, addiction. And the list goes on and on and on. But Jesus offers something different, a different kind of peace. It's wholeness, wholeness, fullness, 24-7. In Christ, we can be at peace in the worst of circumstances, in the worst places you can imagine being. Let me give you a quick list of verses that you'll find in the Bible. And this is just a sampling. This is just a few. Romans 5.1 Since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Colossians 1.20 And through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Colossians 3.15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Let his peace rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And be thankful. Acts 10.36. There is peace with God through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 14, for Christ himself is our peace. Isaiah 9, 8, 9, 6. We'll start reading this here in about a month and a half. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John 16, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace peace because in this world you'll have trials of many kinds but take heart I've overcome the world John 14 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid Matthew 5 8 blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called children of God let me stop right there come back to a question Would someone close to you say that you're a peacemaker? Because the Bible says here, blessed are peacemakers, for they'll be called children of God. Boy, that's another sermon in in itself. Peacemakers are people that know this, this argument's just not worth having. There are things best left unsaid. Peacemakers cannot be judgmental of others or where they all disagree or what they have and what they don't have in common. We, We don't have to be known for what we're against. I'm not saying peacemakers are weak or wimpy or don't take a stand. Not at all. I'm just saying a peacemaker knows what really matters in a conversation or in a relationship. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they'll be called children of God. Matthew 6, 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worry itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Philippians 3, 13, 14. One thing I do, you know this one. Forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I press on to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Bible has much to say about this. One of our trips to Colorado several years ago, uh, I was out, I, I'm Aaron boy, that's my official title, I'm the Aaron boy, I, I'll go pick up this and go get that, and I, I don't know why I like that, but I do. Uh, particularly in the mountains, you know. Now in Florida, I'm in, at the beach, no, I'm not Aaron boy, somebody else is gonna have to go do that, but uh, that's not true. That, I didn't need to go there. So, <laughs> it's never stopped me before, you know. So this um, we've got great radio stations. Uh, you get Kay Love up there as well, and you, you've got these great this great Christian music, you know. And I'm driving to Walmart and, and mindless day, you know, it's just got a list of things we got to get. And this song comes on that I hadn't heard, and I love music. Music is a real tool of, communicat- of communication for me, and hearing God's truth through these songs. And I had not heard this song before. And it's a song called, There Was Jesus. Zach Williams, I think, wrote it and recorded it. It was part of the writers. And Dolly Parton sings on it with him. But here's here's what stopped me. Literally, I I pulled over to the side and kind of sat in the car there before I went into the store. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing, in the hurting... Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces, every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going, even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it, there was Jesus. When I start thinking about the stories in the Bible, I think about the woman at the well. She's just trying to get there and back as quick as she could because she was known for being a bad girl. Stay away from her. It's so Christ-like, isn't it? Don't go there. Don't get near her. And Jesus, there was Jesus at that well. And you just start taking these stories where Jesus shows up. And I just couldn't get that out of my head, how Jesus shows up and the places he'll show up when you least expect him. And the reality that there are times he is showing up for us and we can't see him because we're not looking for him. I love that thought. What a great thought. Ron Mel, pastor, I've read his books. He passed away years ago due to cancer. I'll close with this. In my life, I found that peace doesn't come from obtaining the answers, but from giving the situation to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. I'm not talking about some kind of grim fatalism here where you say, oh, well, what will be will be. No. He says there's a vast difference between surrendering to the circumstances and surrendering to God. When you give the situation to God, now listen to this one. This sentence is the best one. When you give the situation to God, peace results because he becomes responsible for the outcome. You've heard that before around here. He becomes responsible for the outcome. If you don't give it to God, in essence, you're making yourself responsible for your own outcome. So before I pray and we close, I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to read something, and then I'll pray. Our prayer teams will make their way to the front of all of our rooms if you'd like to have someone praying with you. and Maybe you've had some difficulty lately finding peace, and you would like that to come back. Maybe someone can pray for you that you'll turn to Jesus and find that peace. If you'll just close your eyes and let these words sink in. The Lord is our shepherd. We have everything we need. He lets us rest in green pastures. He leads us to calm water. He gives us new strength. He leads us on paths that are right for the good of his name. And even if we walk through a very dark valley, we will not be afraid because he is with us. His rod and the walking stick comfort us. He prepares a meal for us in front of our enemies. He pours oil on our heads and he fills our cup to overflowing. Surely goodness and love will be with us all of our life. And we will live in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you so much for your gift that you've given us through Jesus Christ. The gift of peace. Father, thank you that we can be at peace Regardless of where we are, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of all that is wrong in this world. And Father, we want that peace. And I pray for those who don't have it, but now have discovered that they can get it. And I pray they would ask for it. And Father, we do thank you for the peace we have found in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would all be mindful of the fact that we can be peacemakers as well.